my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Radio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up rituals Scrub star Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? How Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations? Or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling? Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today, spending another 30 minutes with us. We really appreciate it. I'm Will Pearson, COO of the podcast division here at iHeart. It's good to be with you again. Today's guest with us, the host of How to Money, Matt and Joel, that have become such an important part of our podcast division here. I am very excited to be talking to them. Joel and Matt, thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, now I, I know you guys are getting to spend some time together. You spend so much time together that you've just decided to basically quarantine together, but we appreciate your spending some time with us. So I do want to start out actually to back up a little bit. One of the co-hosts of our biggest show, Stuff You Should Know, which has been around for over a decade now and is one of the biggest shows in the history of podcasting, Chuck Bryant, the co-host of that show, was actually the first one to come flag your show to us and said, you got to pay attention to this show. These guys are amazing. They're very laid back, but they give 
really, really helpful down to earth financial advice for pretty much everyone. We're not just talking about millionaires who are trying to make their next million. This is everyday people trying to figure out the smartest path toward the future. So we got to know you guys. We're a perfect fit for the iHeart Podcast division. And so we've loved having you on board. You've had to pivot a little bit in the past two, three months and have actually decided to add an extra episode every week because of what we've been going through with the global pandemic, with record unemployment. And so I wanted to give you guys a chance to talk about this. You know, maybe, Matt, maybe I'll start with you just to get your thoughts on how you guys have had to change the way you think about making the show and the kinds of things you guys are talking about, if you want to want to speak to that. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, we always talk about personal finance in a way that we think is approachable, in a way that's maybe a little bit entertaining, that connects with folks, right? Money isn't normally something that is exciting to talk about or to hear people talk about. And so to be able to do that in a way that is interesting is really important. And so we always choose topics that we find interesting and that we know is going to appeal to a wide base, a wide group of folks. But then, yeah, just like you said, with a lot of the different changes, the government changes with the different bills that were being passed, we felt that it was important to go ahead and get that additional episode to be able to cover topics that were a little more timely. While it's important to know how to budget in a way that best suits your personality, which is something we've done recently, covering topics that folks were able to take and immediately do something with that was a little more time sensitive. We felt that was just really important and a natural next step for us, for sure. And Joel, maybe you can speak to, I know you guys have been watching closely the government response and the, you know, the attempts to help people that are dealing with unemployment or just dealing with, you know, any financial challenges right now. Do you want to speak to how that plays into what you guys try to do on the show, what you've been watching, whether we're seeing any signs of whether that assistance has been helpful or as helpful as we would have hoped. Maybe speak to that a little bit. Sure. Obviously, first and foremost, a health crisis that has led to an economic crisis for a lot of people. And so the government has tried to respond accordingly. And I think the bills were well-intentioned. I think the way they were written in trying to get direct relief to people who did lose their jobs and trying to you know, get businesses to continue to keep people on payroll and then also direct stimulus payments into the hands of everyday Americans. It's kind of this multi-pronged approach to try to keep the economy going while things are shut down. I think it made a lot of sense, but I think also some of those things didn't pan out the way that those programs just didn't work as effectively as we would have hoped. And in particular, when it comes to the unemployment checks, when you look at some of these states, in particular, Florida was, was one of the worst. They've had to rewrite code. They've had to update their systems. And so people have been sitting there with their business shut down or with their work having lost their job, and there's no money coming in. And so it's been really hard for people. So... We're trying to do our best to direct people to the government resources that are available, to direct people towards other resources that are available, to try to help people figure out what it looks like for their budgets right now in this time and and kind of make them aware of everything that is possible for them within their locus of control so that they can effectively steward their finances during this, obviously, just the craziest time that we've ever experienced. Let's back up just a little bit because I do want to make sure that those tuning in today get a chance to know you guys a little bit. 
and as a reminder for anyone tuning in right now, you can also ask questions. We've got it opened up. If you want to start typing in some of those questions and sending those to us, we'll be looking at them as they come in and try to get to as many as we possibly can. So feel free to start sending those in. But let's go back to the beginning here. And I'd love to know how you guys got to know each other and how this whole bond around financial security and intelligence and everything came to be. You mean kick it off? Yeah, you do it. You do it. Let me say, Joel and I, we're best friends. Like, literally, we're together because our families are uh, on vacation together. We've gone through different stages of life together. We live right up the street from each other. We've been best friends for, like, close to a decade now, almost. But anytime we would get together, we've discovered this early on, the conversation would tend to, like, we talk about a lot of of stuff, but we always ended up talking about money, personal finance, investing, real estate, just everything that has to do with money. So Joel's been a producer for Clark Howard for over 10 years now. I've been in my own business for over 10 years and I've always been interested in personal finance. And so we thought, why not start a podcast? You know, why not do this? And so we did. We got a little Zoom recorder, sat down at the dining room table, and we just started recording. We started making episodes talking about personal finance. And we also have a craft beer. That's just one of the things we enjoy. But we wanted to find a way to make it enjoyable. Partly, too, one of our things is like sometimes personal finance can feel like really draconian. And it's like, take all these steps and do this in order to get your finances right. And so part of like the ethos of our show is like, do some things now. Use your money in ways that help you feel happy and fulfilled today while saving and investing well for the future. That's kind of what we're all about. Yeah, yeah. we're not all about just depriving ourselves of, yeah. you know, luxuries now in order to save and be smart and do these, you know, smart, nerdy money things for the future. It's, it's about finding some balance and living life now as well and, and finding out, and really to finding out what those things are for you because everybody has different things that move the needle for them, right? And so it's yeah. about discovering what that is for you and then making sure that you're doing smart things that allow you to do those things while also being smart for, you know, 20, 30 years off in the future. So what do you feel is different about your show from other personal finance shows that are out there? Or rather, what would be your goal in terms of trying to create something that is different from what other people might find? I mean, I have my thoughts on it. I feel like you guys bring a totally different tone and very down-to-earth style, but I'd, I'd love to hear from you what you aspire to do differently from other shows. I mean, I think in the personal finance world, there can be a lot of jargon. It can be pretty off-putting. It can feel like getting a a lecture from your dad or your grandpa or something like that i don't know and so yeah we really we want to present it in a way that is really helpful in in, an accessible way that makes people feel like they're hanging out with two best buds that are having a good time so you know we crack some jokes we try to make it just a fun show that really at its core it's teaching and it's helping but it's energetic and fun too so um, any way that we can make it easy for people to like help people figure out the simple ways that they can change their own financial life and empower them. I mean, that's kind of, that's really what we want to do. In the end, you can have the best show, but if nobody's going to listen to it, what's the point? <laughs> and so, I mean, the goal is to create a show that people will listen to. And if we can kind of like sneak some of those personal finance nuggets in there so that they are able to leave an episode knowing that like, oh, they talked about some stuff I'm not totally sure on yet. You know, I'm kind of getting my feet wet, but I, I, I learned this one nugget. And they can take that and start implementing that in their lives. That's that's a win. Yeah, I think it needed to be different too for this generation. Like our generation needs a different kind of personal finance show that speaks to them differently. The old school financial gurus just have a different way of presenting information and it needs to be repackaged essentially. It's not that the advice has necessarily changed right. or anything like that. It's, yeah. It just needs to come in a different voice. And so we, we felt like we could bring that. 
Yeah, I don't know that there are many other financial advice shows where the two hosts are enjoying a, a good beer while they're, you know, delivering the information. In fact, that was one of the questions that is already coming in. This comes from Nathan. It says, what have you found is the best style of beer to enjoy while recording your podcast? Obviously, you've got a fan here that's curious <laughs> to hear this. Well, I'll say, first of all, what we've learned to avoid are some of these higher gravity beers. <laughs> Being able to make sure that we're, you know, enjoying the beer and having it on the show, but at the same time, making sure that we're delivering sound advice is yeah. very important. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, we got some good ones, though. I mean, we recently had an order from Treehouse Brewing up in Massachusetts that was delicious. We've had gotten to try some really good beers. So over 200 episodes in now, 200 good beers on the show. And a lot of those are either sent in by listeners, which is super cool, because they'll find a local brewery that doesn't distribute. Yeah. And so they'll send, they'll mail it to us. Or sometimes the brewery will send it to, directly to us. And then a lot of times, too, we like to support our local breweries there in Atlanta. So we have our local sure, breweries so. on all the time as well. So Oh, that's terrific. More serious question that has come in from Anonymous says, uh, do you ever talk to parents on how to instill financial responsibility in their kids? That's an excellent question. Yeah, it's something we've talked about on the show. We've dedicated uh, episodes to that and we've answered listener questions every other week on the show. And people often have questions about teaching their kids about money. One of the things that we think is most important when you're trying to teach your kids about money is there are certain chores that they should be responsible for with the house. And it differs, differs by age, right? I've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a nine-month-old, and I don't have the nine-month-old chopping wood in the backyard yet. Coming soon. But so, yeah, as they grow up, there's <laughs> ways, ways we're able to teach them. But there's certain chores that are just, that's their job. And then there's other, yeah. other things that they can do to make extra money. And then helping them see, you know, that if they don't spend all their money now that they get, and we've experienced this in real life by going to like the dollar store and buying the cheapest thing and then it breaks two days later. And so yeah. it's talking to our kids about, hey, what's the thing you really want? What are you saving for? And then also trying, you know, I think my kids are starting to get to the age where I want to teach them about saving more for the long term and then giving some of their money away. But that's one thing we talk about. Matt's really good about talking to his kids about money. There's different stages at which you can teach kids things, right? And so, I mean, Joel and I, both of our, all of our kids are like seven and below, right? <laughs> It's tough to teach them about compounding interest and the match that, you know, you and Emily and that Kate and I are going to be able to provide for the kids. And they open up IRAs. Eventually, yeah. we will be able to, to explain that. And so for now, it's keeping it simple. I found that if I can directly relate some of those specific jobs to the reward, right, then if it clicks and it's simple, then they can do it. But then overall, too, a lot of it comes down to from just talking with some other folks we've had on the show, so much of it comes down to leading by example and just yeah. talking about it in a, a way that's not stressful because that's another part of I think what, what we like about the show is so much of the discussion and the conversation around money is stressful like a lot of us grew up in households where anytime money was talked about there was a fight yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we want these conversations around money to, to happen as a normal healthy part of a, a family's relationship and not just within the family but just between friends as well and so modeling that behavior of talking about money, but then modeling the behavior of doing the smart things with your money. We can try to you know, drive home all the lessons we want in the world, but uh, leading by example and, and showing that to our kids, I think will be the most long lasting. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, my 10 year old is within earshot. So I'm letting him know we're gonna talk about compounding interest later. We, we haven't got to it yet, but that's next on the list.
dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So in a recent episode, you guys talked about investing in a more volatile market, and clearly that's something that we're living through right now. Can you talk a little bit about that with this group, just the sort of advice you've been giving and how you've been thinking about it? The way we talk about investing is we talk about the wealth building, the wealth accumulation phase, and most of our listeners are, are in that phase. And if you're getting to the wealth preservation stage, that's another conversation. But for most of our listeners who are in the wealth building stage, you know, when we're talking to them about investing, our advice hasn't changed all that much. The biggest thing is, is your job secure? How are things with your work right now? And if things are solid and you have a decent nest egg, a decent uh, emergency fund set aside right now, then you should be investing like normal. So we try to talk about, you know, what's happened historically in the stock market, what the biggest risk factor is to your money. And that is putting in a savings account and just having inflation eat it away. So you need to be investing. And so try to demystify investing and, and, and simplify it a little bit so that anybody feels like, I can do that. That's not that hard. So that's what we want to do. And then when the market's volatile like this, there's actually more advantage for younger investors because when you experience a drop in the stock market, if you continue to dollar cost average, continue to put money in every two weeks in your 401k or in your IRA, have that money taken out monthly and just continue to fund that as long as 
your savings account, your emergency fund is in a good place and your job's in a good place, you should keep investing. And that's actually going to benefit you more in the long run. I have to admit, I'm enjoying seeing some of the questions that are coming in. There's a few smart allocate questions that are coming in. Definitely some from fans that have gotten to know you guys. One of them from JC in San Antonio, big fan of the show, he says, but wants to know, why are you guys not drinking a beer right now? It's 12, 17 Eastern time. So for me, I, I just finished my coffee. So. <laughs> and actually, so we're at the beach. I split a Rattler with my wife earlier, which is 60% grapefruit juice and 40% beer. So it's only like 2% ABV. It's like a mimosa. Yeah, it was great. But I'm already done with that one. I'll move on to beer two in probably about a half hour, maybe. Good to know. That's, that's comforting. So a question about how you work with advertisers actually i have a couple of questions on that but first this question came in that said will you only read for the finance sector or do you read for other categories as well no i mean we've read for all sorts of categories and i think it comes down to like so we love finance because a lot of those companies are companies who we've already talked about on the show right but then there are other finance companies that we wouldn't read True. for right <laughs> <laughs> so like some of the some of our favorite companies that we like hearing who are interested in the show are companies who we've already talked about on the show because they make awesome products it's a great service and so if we're able to you know have a company on who we know already aligns with what we've already said on the show man i love that because it's the perfect partnership in that way but like costco or aldi <laughs> or we love biking man if it's a bike company that or like rei which sells like killer outdoorsy stuff i mean I think there's a potential right now for a sweet LL Bean. I think would be a great advertiser. They're such a good company. I mean, I think we would love to have advertisers that are really good companies. You know, that's what matters to us. And there are some great financial companies we've been able to have sponsor the show. And it's been awesome because those are companies that we already love and talk about. But we talk about all sorts of things on the show that have to deal with how you go get a deal, what kind of companies you do business with and that kind of stuff. And so we're totally down for advertisers that are not financial related. And sometimes those are the best ones. So the whole reason we have a craft beer is because that's one of the things for Joel and I that we love. It, like mm -hmm. for us, that's one of those things that moves the needle. And so for right. us to get a really nice craft beer that we'll sometimes drop 20 bucks on, on a single bottle, like that's a lot of money, right? Now you're just bragging. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But somebody else hears us say that and they're, they're like, oh, these guys are crazy. Like, why would you do that? Well, for us, that moves the needle for us. Yeah. But we know that that's not everybody. And we know that for a lot of folks out there, there is another category, there's another company where they know that that's what they're into. And, you know, if we can partner with companies who are solid, provide excellent products or great customer support, mm -hmm. yeah, that gets us excited because not everybody is into craft beer, not everybody is into biking. There are all sorts of, of categories out there and it's just about finding out which of those categories like works for you. And finding those companies that can align with how the money I think is, would yeah, that's ideal. That's actually really helpful to hear. So I saw a headline the other day. You guys were talking about this earlier. I know this was a bit of a clickbaity headline, but I still was just in, interested to get your take on it. It said that millennials are the unluckiest financial generation in a century. So one, I'd like to just get your take on that in general and why that may or may not be the case. But then two, how optimistic you are for this generation and being able to, you know, have a successful savings and outlook for the future. I think the bar to understanding personal finance has gotten higher. And so it, it feels like instead of a hurdle, we got to do a pole vault. And so people need advice from people they can trust who can help them through the different financial difficulties that they encounter. And that just wasn't 
nearly as much the case for previous generations for 30, 50 years ago. There weren't nearly as many, as much access to financial products that could destroy you or that could really hurt your budget. Student loans weren't nearly as much of an issue if you did take out student loans. The monthly payment was quite affordable, whereas I, I have friends that graduate. I mean, we know people that graduate and their student loans are more. <laughs> their overall outstanding student loan debt is more than a house that they would buy. And wow. it just makes it prohibitively difficult to continue to get through life to buy a house, to do the things that people want to do as they get older. A lot of you know, millennials have found, I think, that home ownership dream pushed out further. Starting a family gets pushed out further. We've seen all those sorts of things. Part of that is student loan debt. Yes, I do think that millennials have had a more difficult time and they need more guidance, which stinks. It stinks that it's gotten more complex, but I am also optimistic and that's probably just because I'm generally an optimistic person, but, <laughs> but I think, yeah, no, I really do think that these are navigable waters. And there are ways that we can help people even post a mistake, but we also want to speak to like how we can help people before they potentially get into too much credit card debt, how they can pay it off earlier, how, how they can tackle those student loans, potentially refinance a student loan, whatever it takes. I mean, all sorts of things that where we want to help people navigate these waters because yeah, there's a lot more waters to navigate, it feels like. I do think the headline is a bit clickbaity. It's a very like, whoa, is us. Like we're, you know, such a, an unlucky generation. But it is true, like from a financial standpoint, like millennials, I think are almost like kind of canaries in the coal mine, where we're maybe one of the first generations to have to figure out a lot of the stuff on our own versus like down the road, some of this will kind of be in place and it will be accepted that, oh yeah, you need to fund your own retirement because that pension isn't there. That's something that a lot of folks, like more millennials and Gen Xers are sort of saying that like, oh, like they're realizing that. Whereas I think, you know, the younger millennials and then beyond will just know that that's a part of life, right? If you're solely focusing on gig jobs to, to live for several years, it's like, yeah, you're going to need to take care of your own health insurance and you're, you're going to need to take care of retirement. These are all things that are going to become more and more understood as we talk about it more. Yeah. Live yeah. longer too. So the, the whole, yeah, the whole financial equation changes as we live longer. You know, there's more need for more complex products or a lot of complex products being sold as people get older and, and hit retirement age. And so there's all sorts of things that need to be discussed at that point too. But yeah, yeah. more yeah. of a need to start saving and investing early. Well, I have one more question about the advertising front, and then I'm going to save one, maybe the most important question that we've gotten yet. I'm going to build up to that to kind of tease for that. We'll see what that one is. But I just wanted to hear from you guys. Like, let's assume you have an advertiser that comes in that you're excited to work with, maybe without mentioning specific, you know, names of advertisers. What is the best way that an advertiser can work with you? What do you enjoy in that relationship to try to get the best ad read possible for them to make it most effective? What's your take on that? I think we like seeing the copy is so helpful um, early on in the process so we can say like, hey, if it's coming from us, we want it to be in our voice, right? And so sometimes the copy can be pretty, very locked in. It's like, just read this verbatim. And sometimes that works out and the tone really does fit kind of our voices. But then sometimes we might be like, what if we tackle it from this standpoint instead? Or we think that our listeners would respond better if we were able to read from this angle. We love the way that your company does this. So can we kind of throw this in there too? I think that always helps if we can kind of have more input on the copy and know kind of what the angle is earlier on, then we can provide our feedback and kind of get the how to money flair, which I think that's what that's what listeners love about podcast advertising mm -hmm. is get to know the, the host and then 
if you just do a straight verbatim ad read, it's kind of like, I've heard that. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard everybody <laughs> yeah. else read that. And so if, if they hear it in our voice, it almost feels like an extension of the show. And that makes for the best, I think, the best ads on a podcast anyway. Yeah, you guys do such a fantastic job with that. And it's obvious that you take it seriously when you do that, of, of putting it in your own voice. All right. So that question that I mentioned, I hope you guys are ready for this. It says, when you go out to dinner together, how do you handle the check? Is it itemized or do you split it in half? I think we all need to know this answer. <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. So disagree if you think this is incorrect. I feel like we've gotten less cheap as uh, our relationship has become stronger. I feel like early on, you tend to itemize. Like if me and Emily are going to go out with you. Mm-hmm. Me and Kate are going to go out with you and Emily. I feel like we used to kind of itemize it more. Right. But yeah. now I feel like we've kind of been like, you know what? Like we, we do this enough that let's just split it. We just, let's just split it right down the middle. Yeah. You feel like that's, yeah, typically, yeah it's not that big of a deal anymore. And, but the nice thing is the payment apps like Square Cash and Venmo make it super easy. Like, yeah. oh, I get this, just toss me 30 split. bucks for half the bill, whatever it was. And it makes it super easy to kind of seal the deal on that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I've talked about this on the show too. Like, I think when I first kind of started to get around in personal finance, I was probably a little bit stingy, maybe even. I held money too tight. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about on the show is like, let's be, we want to be people that give of what we're given as well. And so I've learned a lot about how to give of the money that I'm given to so that I'm not, yeah, stingy and a bad friend. <laughs> yeah. Jill's got this, this uh, charging folks for charcoal story that we won't, that we won't dive into. <laughs> yeah. This part of the show, we, we try to incorporate a segment where we're frugal, not cheap. And so sometimes we fall on the cheap side of it, but we strive to kind of be frugal and smart about it, but at the same time. Throw up sometimes. Yeah, we, we try not to let it detract from relationships and other things, but sometimes it does. And, and we apologize. <laughs> That's good. No, I appreciate that. And speaking of giving, I do appreciate, again, I know I mentioned this at the top of the conversation, but that you guys really have made an effort to respond to the challenges that we're facing right now and to have added an extra episode every single week just to help people navigate a very unique and real challenge that we're facing and has only gotten that much more difficult in very recent weeks. So really, really appreciate everything that you guys are doing. The show is How to Money with Joel and Matt. I hope you guys will all check it out if you haven't already. They're fantastic to work with, two of our favorite podcasters out there. So Joel and Matt, thank you for spending some time with us today. Yeah, well, thanks for Super fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, take care, guys. It's been good spending some time with you. I hope everyone stays well and stays safe and take care. Conversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. 
Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.